reality. I had a, I haven't had a realization right before I left Humboldt. So it was 24, 25, something like that. And I was just, I was taking several kind of notes about the people around me. I was like, I'd say they just, everyone's just sitting around drinking all day, talking about how everything sucks. It's like, hey, let's go to the show. Like, what's the point? It's just me fucking, I don't need money. You know what I mean? It was just like misery. And there was a lot of people that I realized that they were constantly creating problems, like conflict. And I remember a couple of girls in particular that no matter who you brought up, let's say uh, I saw so-and-so or whatever, and they're like, oh, you know, you know, they have chlamydia, right? You're just yeah. like, no matter what you brought up, like they had something shitty to say. Yeah. You know? And I was like, at that young age going, her comfort zone is conflict. Like no matter, like that's where she's yes. comfortable is like creating fucking problems for people. Yes. And it was like, that was one of the things I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like I'm not, I can't live like this. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I So check out Liberty Street Podcast. These are the criteria I believe should be applied. These are the criteria I believe. I think some apologies are in order. Who that? Hey, let me guess. Okay. Oaktown three five seven. No, no, never heard of them. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, dude, that's like staple of your era of hip hop. Really? Yeah. Huh. Are they from Oakland? Yes. <laughs> Probably. That was none other than Kid Rock. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is interesting because... That was off his first album, 1990, Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast. Dang. Yeah. Deep uh, cut. Deep cut. Yeah. I I think I texted you. Uh, do you listen to Joe Rogan very often? Uh I've, I listened to two in a row. I listened to Brett Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to that one? That one's really good. It was pretty intense. Yeah. So then as a palate cleanser, I went to Kid Rock. Yes. <laughs> I listened to a little bit of Joe. I'm not like a every episode listener, just yeah. depending on who he has on. So I might listen to one in 20 episodes. There's something. only so much white supremacy and, you know, far-right <laughs> militia anti, talk anti-fax, that I can take. Propaganda. Yeah. But uh, I was... Because I've been working by myself every day, and so I'd listen to pretty heavy stuff, you know what I mean? Um, like Last American Vague. That's like information. A lot of it's really mm-hmm. dark. And so uh, the other day, was the sun came out finally. Oh, my God. 
Dude, I know. I thought I had the sad. I was getting worried. Yeah. No it's been seasonal rough. affective yeah. disorder. El Nino is, is no joke. Which is not real, unlike booster age. And so I was like, well, I need like a, I just want to enjoy the day, put on something light. I'm all Kid Rock on Joe Rogan. I don't know anything about Kid Rock. Like, I was like, I think he plays country and maybe hip hop. I think he's new metal. Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I know him as a kind of a cultural figure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I listened to it, and I texted you. I was like, I never thought I'd be saying this. I was like, but Kid Rock on Joe Rogan is really, really good, and I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. They actually, it was an incredibly insightful and entertaining listen. It was like a perfect balance of, like, there was a point of view, there were opinions being discussed and disagreed on, and it's like, and they were, like, having the best time doing it. It was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, it was interesting. Talked about the Bud Light issue. Yeah, that was really interesting to listen yeah. to. It was good. Yeah, I was listening to Brett Weinstein when you uh, said that I should listen to Kid Rock, and I was like, <laughs> "Did you get to you. the part where Kid Rock pitched his idea for?" Because he met with Bud Light, the Kenyan. Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, man, he just like destroyed our brand by like 27 billion dollars." Yeah, like, you know that was like at least the, the catalyst moment. And um, so Kid Rock flew them out to his house, and they. Uh, as he put it, we broke bread. We just discussed things. And he goes, he decided in the end, he was like, look, I, 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 I'm not going to be a corporate spokesperson. I'm doing my own thing. I want to say what I want to say, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And um, do you remember the commercial he had for the first pitch that he gave him? No. I was actually laughing by myself at work. I was <laughs> like, dude, that is so funny. He's like, it was going to be a picture of him, like just working like a shovel and sweating, you know, just like toiling outside. And someone goes, here, cool down. And I, throw him a Bud Light, and then, I, you know, he'd go, like, someone would have a reaction, like, what? You're, you're, you're drinking Bud Light? And then the camera would pan out. It's just him shoveling cash into the back of a truck. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did you make that commercial? Brilliant. <laughs> yes, that's what Bud Light needs to do. Just own it. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Yes. Just like, yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> now we're spending truckloads of money to get out of underneath <laughs> up underneath this stuff dude that brand is fucking ruined like if you hand someone a bud light right now you're basically saying gay they were <laughs> saying that uh because both joe rogan and him both own like clubs and bars and they had to stop serving at some places like it was just too because someone would order one and then like a, a fight would start which is like i don't know who's starting fights or something like that <laughs> oh but God. yeah that's ridiculous. A lot of fucking crazy people out there. Um, so, you know how there's those songs that when they came out, you were like, God, this is the like lamest music mm-hmm. ever. I'm thinking of, um, hey, now, you're a rock star. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, that song came on the other day. Who, who is that? Smash uh, Mouth? Smash Mouth. Yeah. That song came on the other day, and it's like, am I just getting old or... What's, you know, is it, is, has the bar, has the bar just been set so low now? Like I heard that song and I'm like, you know what? Could this, be worse. This, this isn't that bad of a song. Like, <laughs> like justifying, like being able to like kind of listen to it. I, uh, I met Smash Mouth once I was in this band and we were, we had a meeting that was like this weird different model where you would go in and record a couple songs with yeah. a producer and then he would try to sell you directly to a major label. And it was like a 
wasn't even a real band I was in. Someone called me and like, hey, I need to throw together a band. Like, can you come to this meeting? Right. And so we went to it and the guy was actually really nice, but I was like, this is like just everything I don't want to do. And, um, but he goes, hey, uh, we actually got Smash Mouth recording here in the studio. As it, you know, in Wing A or whatever. I'm like, all oh, right, on. He's kind of like looking at me like, huh? huh? You want to meet him? <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, after we wrap up this meeting, I'll uh, take you guys down here. You can meet the boys. And we're like, okay. And he took us into the studio. We had this meeting for two hours or whatever. And we go into the recording studio. And it's it was so funny because he's like, yeah, this, and here's Smash Mouth right here. And they're looking at me like, what are you doing here? And I'm right. looking at them like, I don't give a flying fuck. About <laughs> totally. We were both just complete apathy and indifference going across the room. You should have, you know, you should have said, it was like, uh, Hey, you know, my girlfriend made out with Bradley from sublime. <laughs> <laughs> huh? And give him the same right? look the producer gave me. Huh? Right. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, the kid rock song cowboy. Mm hmm came to mind in that same vein. I'm listening to that song. This sounds vaguely familiar. With a flag saying chilling the most, the rock that jumping down the coast, oh, okay, give a toast to the sun, so, drink with the stars. I want to say he's, like, he's both like rap and country, right? Yeah. Okay. And kind of rock to yeah. guitar. Like there'll be slow kind of country songs on his album. I know this because after listening to the Joe Rogan, I went and started kind of combing through the music for the intro yeah. today. So yeah. I, I'm kind of a, a bit of an expert. <laughs> Dude, um, Kelly loves Get Rock. <laughs> well, I want to say I was with my cousin, and he's blasting this. We we're probably on like his like the side by side, yeah, you know, Polaris or whatever, with AR-15s and just like cruising over some like, like over, you know, some some rock or something. The only thing missing here is a couple of European guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listening to this song, and I think it was because I was just like with him. I'm like you're when you're with him, you know who I'm talking about. When yeah. you're with him. You're in this like different world douche free zone. Yeah. Where it's like, there's no such thing as like something that's too douchey. It's, right. It's all, everything's on the table. Yeah. And he has such a strong personality mm -hmm. and a way of winning people over that you're like, you're fucking, you have a beer in one hand and an AR 15 in the other. And you're just flying down some like trail, right. listening to kid rock at like this obnoxious level. And you're just like, this is Fucking awesome. <laughs> I am the coolest guy on the planet. Your right cousin now. <laughs> reminds me of my uncle, my uncle Bob, and they're friends, which would make course, sense. Yeah. Like my my uncle Bob is that guy. That's like when you go out to the lake and get on his brand new wakeboarding boat mm -hmm. and blasting journey or Brian Adams yeah. or Boston three, or Foreigner. Three super fake chicks next yes. to you on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is the time you do this. Like, there's, yeah. you know, you're, you're not judging yourself. Yeah. You're just no. enjoying the good you, time. Man. You're enjoying it. You're just like, why? And why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, what is really so wrong about... That's the thing. Guys like that bring out this... They make you question, like, why... Why would I ever feel douchey about this in the first place? Why do people make fun of Nickelback anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Are they that bad? Let's not get carried away here. <laughs> so uh, check this out. I wrote down on my notes for today's podcast. I've been home alone mm -hmm. all weekend, which mm -hmm. means I've been probably drinking too much and eating too little. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know how it is. Like, I just can't function without the family around, but... Um, I was 
doing, I had my laptop with me the whole time because I'm just making notes for the right. pod and everything. And I wrote down this note that I cl- clearly this must have been a hilarious idea that came to, to mind because <laughs> I only wrote down just, I, it was so good. All I had to write down was this short little snippet. Yeah. I wrote down Tom Hanks or Obama, a question mark. And then woke up in the morning and I'm just like, what the fuck was I, I could not remember what this was. I have no idea what this awesome, hilarious joke that I was thinking of was because in my mind, I'm like, dude, this is so good. All I got to write down is Tom Hanks or Obama and then it'll just trigger something and then I'll be able to just go off on the podcast on, I don't need any more notes than that. This is just such a solid idea. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I've done that with songs before. Like, I was like, oh, just throw down this idea and then we'll, we'll record it for real tomorrow and I'll, I'll listen the next day. I'm like, I have no idea what I was trying to do there. And I've done this 10 times before and still haven't learned my lesson to yes. actually write out the part. <laughs> so, oh God, this hurts to say. Okay. But I think you were right. Sorry. <gasps> Sorry, but my, um, your, my headphones broke up right there. Can you say it again? You're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Right. Uh, I I liken this to every once in a while, I'll bring you something that's just so macabre and dark and mm-hmm. fucked up that I'll get a text from you two days later. Like, dude, I just keep thinking about the Deagle sticks. Deagle sticks. <laughs> like, holy crap. Um, fortunately, basement the, membrane. The thing that I think you were right about is, uh, is shrouded in optimism. And I've been thinking about it so much. So, cause you brought this up, what, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. was that something like that? It has created kind of this new filter from which I'm kind of viewing things or like it might be the, 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 new truck phenomenon all of a sudden like man everyone has this truck never noticed it before you know what i mean it's i'm just noticing all these things i don't think i was really noticing before and it got me thinking about a couple things Mm -hmm. so this began with um you know shane gillis is yep so shane gillis was hired by saturday night live five years ago right and then immediately as they do this handful of armchair social justice warriors go to work Going through his tweets, found, you know, found some racism and some transphobia and on and on. Jokes, by the way, he's a comedian. Funny jokes. Funny jokes, yeah. And uh, so Saturday Night Live being the pussies that they are and producers of a very unfunny show that hasn't yeah. been entertaining in decades, yeah. uh, they go, like, well, we got to bend the knee and then we're going to fire that guy. So what does Shane Gillis do? He goes, well... I guess I'm going to do my own thing and goes on to become one of the biggest comedians in the U S right now. And he's, by the way, I highly suggest listening to his new special. It is hilarious. I think it's like a year old or something like that. That's kind of that idea that, um, the best revenge is success. Right. You know, perfect. Have you seen that, uh, uh, that reel on Instagram? No. Of, uh, revenge that that's not the, the saying basically that's not the best. No, I haven't seen it. Revenge. You want me to show it to you? Yeah. All right. Let me just pull it up here. Where's our producer to pull this stuff up for us? I don't know. Sunday mornings are our strongest. You know, a lot of people say the best revenge in life is success. Mm-hmm. But if you just go out there into the world and crush it, that'll get it. 
that'll show them. Yeah. Wrong. That's a loser mentality. Exactly. Yeah. The best revenge is to actually follow someone when they leave their work. Okay. You're in your car and you follow them. Right. And when they're walking down their street towards their home, you mount the curb. Wow. Okay. And you actually mow them down. And when they bounce off your windshield and are laying on the ground struggling to breathe, you go up and lean down and whisper in their ear, gotcha. I mean, that's just a much more satisfying way to get revenge than becoming successful. That's what I'm talking about. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> amazing. I don't know if Shane Gillis exactly took that advice, but uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, we're at this here. Shane Gillis on um, Saturday Night Live. And this is funny. I wish I could show you the video, but this is him opening up. I'll just play this real quick. Oh, did he host? Yes. This, this, oh, so, after five years, I'm like, hey, biggest comedian Thank in America. You. I kept waiting for much. it to. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm here. I. Uh, <laughs> Most of you probably have no idea who I am. Uh, the funniest I was actually, part. I was fired from this show. So the, in the video, when everyone's applauding and the camera pans out, there's one just miserable-looking chick with her hands on her lap, just like beaming. I'm like, I'm not going to clap for you. <laughs> nice. Twitter told me you're transphobic. <laughs> yes. And so anyway, and then obviously, this is kind of interesting because I'm going to have to explain this later, but... You, the initial marker for this, like looking at this from kind of a superficial level, is like, okay, you fired this guy because he was some hateful bigot, allegedly, according to someone on Twitter or whatever. It goes on to become wildly successful, and then you guys come back hat in hand, like, hey, you're bigger than our show at this point. Like, you want to come back and host it. And so we think, awesome. That That's a good that's a good thing to say. I, I personally would have told them to pound sand, but... My life has a long track record of terrible decisions just so I can be petty. I, that's why I really like that revenge video. <laughs> like really aligned with what that guy said there. You also kind of have to hand it to Saturday Night Live for actually wanting to be funny. Mm -hmm. Unlike a it, lot of... And being a comedic skit show and all. Well, it just that it, what we see a lot of lately is people denying the fact that they're like Bud Light. They're denying the fact that what they're really there to do is sell beer. Mm -hmm. Instead, they're saying, no, it's more important than that. We need to be a social a right. marker of social change in our yeah. world. And then, you know, that fails and they, they won't ever apologize. They just kind of just keep trying to, you know, one foot in front of the other, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Like, don't acknowledge that this thing happened. And by Saturday Night Live, asking him to host. Yeah. They're in essence apologizing. Yeah. For doing I, what they did to I, I would agree know? with that. And then as you would predict, and there's a kind of a delineation between what I'm seeing as success uh, or as far as the markers that you brought up two weeks ago about like, these are good signs. Like there is part of that. That's good. And then of course you get the very obvious ensuing backlash. I pulled that clip off an article from NPR talking about like, how dare they have him? He wasn't funny. Is that right? Yeah, you could tell no one was into it. Uh, let's see, I can find the quote here. They, I highlighted view, viewers who might be aware of the criticism didn't spend time looking over the podcast where he dropped racial slurs, anti-Semitic language, and homo homophobic, transphobic quips. Likely watched them, his monologue and wondered what the fuss was about. It's like, mm -hmm. so it's the same thing that you brought up about. Um, remember they're saying like, this new controversy is coming to light. You're like, well, cause you're bringing it cause to you, light. Cause you're yeah. publishing an article about it. <clears throat> yeah. Now and you brought it to light in the first place and now it's coming back up because <laughs> you brought it <laughs> back brought up. It up again. Yes. 
So anyway, that's pretty predictable from NPR. It also smacks a lot of don't believe your lying eyes. Yes. Which is a theme that runs through oh, everything in the last we're three years. Get, we're going to get into that. But it's like, <clears throat> he said, maybe I'm just a fan of Shane Gillis, but what he just said right there was funny. Yeah. And he all he said was, a lot of you don't even probably know who I am. Right. But it just, that the his subtleties of his delivery and the the whole scenario around him coming back yeah like it just you have this giddiness to you're like oh my god this is gonna be good, this is gonna be good, this is gonna be good. <laughs> so at the same time uh i'm sure you follow this a little bit but john stewart has made his return to the daily show after yes. nine years or yes. something like that yes and this i thought was kind of interesting he only does one a week i believe right go ahead are you gonna talk about what he said recently about the tucker uh interview uh, no. Because I watched that one. Everyone's been talking about it, so I yeah. kind of feel like we don't need to. But um, I will say this. I laughed at his jokes. He's hilarious. In that one. And it John made Stewart me, is really good at what he does. Yes. Yeah. And it made me think, like, I mean, he was <clears throat> he was wrong about some things. In fact, it, the parts that weren't funny weren't funny because he was just, like, making stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like when, you're, uh, when your kid, well, my kid is not quite mastered the art of joke telling mm-hmm. as you might guess, cause he's only five, but he'll make up jokes all the time that are just not funny. Cause there's no, they don't have a premise. Right. They're not based on anything. It's yeah. like knock, knock. Who's there? And it's like gorilla, gorilla who gorilla came over and stole your tools or something. I mean, they're not even that funny. Like it's just, you're just like, okay, yep. Keep working on it, bud. Yeah. Just it's all in the delivery. Yeah. You're getting there. And this, this shit with Jon Stewart, um, the stuff that wasn't funny was not funny because it had no basis in reality, mm-hmm. which is the problem that we see over and over again. And when people say the left can't meme, it's because jokes are funny when they're based on reality. And the whole game for the last three or ten years of the left, in air quotes, has been to deny reality right. and make shit up. It's like and that. And so they can't meme because a meme needs to be pointing out the ridiculousness of a certain situation. It has to be based in reality, and they can't do that. It's, so It's like your aunt hysterically laughing at that meme sent around, you know, about Republicans. Like, oh, well, we believe in science, so we're not Republicans. She's just yeah. like hysterically laughing. You're like, I don't... There's no joke there. I don't understand why that's it's funny. Not, there's no truth that you're exposing. <laughs> there's nothing, right? So John Stewart comes back to The Daily Show and actually does a really good job, I yeah. think. His jokes were funny when they were funny, and they were not funny when he was just kind of reaching to try to make a point, a political point. Correct. But what my takeaway from that, more than anything, was that uh, Trevor Noah is a terrible... He's not funny. Terrible host, yep. not funny comedian. Yeah, like it wasn't that. All it took was John Stewart coming back one day a week, and boom! <laughs> like the Daily Show is funny again. It's like <laughs> so. Uh, I want to play this clip. This is from his, I think, his second show, maybe. Okay. <laughs> oh, this maybe is the Tucker. <laughs> so he's got a couple of screens. So what? Basically, the point I'm driving at here is that 
John Stewart, you know, I, there's a lot that I don't agree with John Stewart. I think he's he's funny. He's got good comedy chops. I used to follow him when he was a stand-up comic in the 90s, and he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a great job with The Daily Show, you know, yeah. nine, nine years ago. And part of what was great about it is he just took the piss out of everything. He just yeah. kind of called bullshit on things. And what I thought was interesting is there was this huge backlash from all the usual sources about John Stewart because how dare he... Like made fun of made, Joe Biden, made fun of Joe Biden. I'm, I got te- uh, oh, he's, he's playing like a feed of tweets out here as he's talking about it. Yeah. And I thought yeah, Keith Oberman. Yeah. Is and, one and of they're them. just in a complete outrage. And I thought it was kind of interesting because he's been gone. He's on a, been on hiatus for nine years. Right. And he's mm-hmm. coming back. And the model, the zeitgeist has shifted so much Big time. that like he's like he's walking on thin ice for making those jokes now. Right. Because it's no longer about left versus right, which were the jokes that he used to make nine years ago. It's about being anti-establishment or just a bootlicking status sycophant. Yes. And he's going against <clears throat> the state. He's going against the, the authority and the, you know, authoritarianism, the, the cathedral. He's making jokes. He's pointing out. He wasn't even making jokes. He's pointing out. I was like, dude, look, our president is in late stages of dementia. I was like, I'm not going to deny that. I'm right. going to make jokes about that. And, and he's receiving like this backlash against it he's using this antiquated model that he used to exist in and be really good at yeah and so you have to wonder is he going like wow i didn't know things had changed this much yes which i thought was kind of interesting isn't it great that comedy is this kind of unfakeable litmus test that you can just place on something and you'll people know if something's funny or not yeah like whether it's because some of the jokes that that he told in that monologue were they were political they were meant to attack the side that i'm alleged to be on right but they were funny yeah and so my reaction was to laugh yes i can't help it yeah funny is funny a good joke's a good joke exactly it's just kind of like you know this undeniable truth that runs through everything yeah with comedy does that it gets down to the core if it's funny it's fucking funny and that's why when you see people tweeting things like it not funny you know still not funny john or you know i'm you know you weren't funny then you're not funny now it's like you're saying that because you're upset about what he said he made jokes about your team it is undeniably funny i'm sorry (laughs) so this made me think of something and let me know kind of where you land on it because because of what I saw here with Shane Gillis and John Stewart, and then the things that you brought up um, basically instilled me with this new <laughs> streak of optimism through which I'm viewing the world. I'm really worried about this, by the way. <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. Everything's going to be all right, We're man. No, it's all going to come crashing down. You're like, I told you. I told you. Why did I, I told you. you. I can't I believe I let you trick never me. never listen to you again. <laughs> so is... Think of things like this, and maybe you can kind of draw a parallel between what we talk about, like uh, secession as an idea or breaking things apart mm-hmm. or uh, like a parallel economy, for example, mm-hmm. but not actually think of it in the cultural sense. So like a very low grade kind of constant paradigm shift, which I think is the result of the things that you were bringing up two weeks ago of like, I think people are kind of like, seeing things for what they are finally you know people are coming around they're kind of getting sick of the bullshit and i think what's interesting there is like i feel like there's been this slow awakening of kind of the collective consciousness of people going like i i'm being tired of these people 
saying what I can say, what I can't say, censoring everything under the sun, deplatforming people, you know, going after Jon Stewart when he makes a good joke, but it's about this thing that we're not supposed to joke about, for example. And I think people are coming to the realization, like, I don't really want to be a part of this. And we are seeing that kind of shift within the culture with, uh, you know, all right, let's, let's put Shane Gillis is hilarious. Put him back on the show. Like, what, this, this is stupid. You know what I mean? You know, John, that was a good joke by John Stewart. Like, I don't agree with that politically. Like, I was, like we can laugh at that. We can laugh at everything. Everything's funny. Of course. You should make jokes about everything. That's how you take the taboo off of things. Like, our president is fucking not cognitively functional. Right. We need to make jokes about that because that's how we talk about it. Right? So, I thought the, I was thinking about how they, like, the COVID example was such a good example of this, of, like, people going... I'm no longer interested in partaking in like this low IQ, low status primate like rituals that you guys do. And I think it like the math doesn't add up in my eyes, right? All the usual stuff we talk about. Like I'm not wearing my mask to walk ten feet to the table. This this is stupid. And normal people go like, I'm not I'm tired of denying reality on reality's terms, which I think we also call not believing your own eyes, right? Right. So <clears throat> as we talked about earlier, like Shane Gillis leaves SNL, goes, fine. You guys want to fire me for some lame-ass bullshit? Fine. I'll yeah. go on to become one of the most <laughs> successful comedians in the country, yeah. and you guys are going to ask me to come back. Same thing with Dave Chappelle. So right. I'm like, oh, you thought my first uh, special was offensive? Well, you're going to love the next one because yeah. <laughs> I'm leaning into it. And what happens? He sells out fucking arenas all over the country. And this is the most important thing to think about is I thought about how the – the backlash, the outrage, you know what I mean? Everything they wrote about in the fucking lamestream media, you know, about all the people that were angry and clapping back on Twitter or whatever, they all disappeared. You know why they disappeared? Because he basically said, like, fuck off, say it walking, I'm going to say whatever I want. Yeah. And they didn't get the power. And with this, is, this is a point that I think when people view these situations, like this is a way to think about this, is that... <clears throat> These people are never interested, these, you know, the, the social justice warriors. They're never interested in any kind of substantial social change. They're interested in power. Right. And the reason why we know that is if they were still upset and trying to change whatever about Dave Chappelle, they'd still be protesting. They'd still be trying to cancel him. Instead, he goes, fuck off. I'm not going right, to monitor what I say. I'm going to make jokes about whatever I want. And they're like, well, let's move on to something else. Damn, he got us. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't get the transfer of power we wanted. Like, we have to move. That's how we know that these things are about power and never actually any kind of substantial social change. That's why people should never bend the knee. Don't apologize. Say whatever you want. If you believe it to be true, say it. Yeah. The amount of people that I've had lately, like in the last year, that have texted me, people that friends of mine that I knew were very, very, very far left, that have said, like, dude, I just... I didn't think things would get this crazy. And I was listening to your podcast and I was like, I, I really, really agree with like a lot of what you guys are saying. He's like, I just, I can't, I can't say it out loud. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, you should say it out loud and don't fucking apologize for it either. If you believe it to be true and you agree with it, it's like, if you're not being, you know, don't be shitty to people, but if you have an opinion, you should express that opinion and you yeah. should let someone else express their opinion and definitely don't fucking apologize for saying what you believe in. Yeah. You know, I was thinking when you were saying that about there are people that have opinions that I disagree with. Let's say like um, Amy Goodman or Noam Chomsky, people that I used to really kind of right. uh, 
pay a lot of close attention to. Um, and they are, they are different from these people that are just these social justice warriors looking for an edge, looking for power, looking to kind of gain some sort of political ground. Yeah. They want you to bend the knee. They, these people, Noam Chomsky, Amy Goodman, whoever, Juan Gonzalez, they are, uh, actually, they believe what they're saying Correct. and they're pretty honest. Yeah. I just saw an article from Amy Goodman like, she's still saying all the same shit mm-hmm. she's always been saying. Yeah. Same with Noam Chomsky. This article from Democracy Now! was saying, turns out, I think I sent it to you guys, uh, that recycling plastic is a total scam right. made by the plastic and petroleum industry to kind of lighten the um, the, the the spirit okay. around... The PR about it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. around plastic. But it turns out plastic is basically not recyclable. Mm-hmm. No plastic is actually recyclable. Yeah, I've seen some of To any ways. degree that's useful anyways. Yeah. And it's like, cool, like here's this lady that probably believes in climate change as a existential threat way more than I do, mm-hmm. but is not so such a, just a blind zealot for the movement that she's going to ignore some fact right. about it. Because that doesn't help the, the environmental movement, knowing that. That's like, yeah. oh, shit, now we have a lot of work to do to kind of backtrack. And what are we going to relook at the ad campaigns that we put out about recycling? And um, I mean, it's called intellectual honesty. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's I basically increasingly rare. I, I basically put everything in the garbage now. I don't even look. <laughs> it's like which under my sink, we have a recycle and a garbage. Whichever one's less full, I just throw the thing that's in my hand into that space. Whatever's closest. I don't exactly. I really I stopped really caring. I don't it's all bullshit, I think. <laughs> Do you remember when I went and got certified for my asbestos abatement remo- yes. removal abatement? Yeah. yeah. I took a eight hour class, an eight hour class, so I could be certified to remove asbestos. Uh-huh. They taught me over the course of eight hours that you take <laughs> the asbestos, you put it in a garbage bag. Do you just it. leave the top open all willy no, nilly? You, you tie it with duct tape. Oh. Twice. Ah. And then throw it in the landfill. <laughs> I, I really didn't need to take a class for this. Wow. I was like, so it just goes in with all the other stuff? Like, yep. <laughs> Are you guys hiring for teachers? Because I, I think I could teach this course at this point. This stuff that's so toxic that when you discover it, you have to make the client move out of the house. <laughs> like, and we just throw it in the landfill. Gotcha. So, dude, I was thinking of something. Um, have you ever been in like a really shitty like toxic relationship. You know, one of those ones that almost has like this self-perpetuating Stockholm syndrome where it's just like, it's just, and you have this, it's like not seeing the forest for the trees kind of thing. Like I gotta, I gotta make this work. I gotta, no, I, I have. I never have. I have always been very. It's you. It's this podcast. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like three people come in the door and <laughs> we wanted to have a talk with you. No, but it's, no, hold on. Let okay, me just okay, say, okay, I I never had a relationship last more than two months before I met my wife. Really? Because I was just, I knew what I wanted. A toxic relationship was like, like, I don't want that. If I identified anything about the yeah. chick that I didn't like, I would just like kick her to the curb. Like yeah. next. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was never a thing for me. I just, I was on a, I was on a mission to find my wife. And when I did after two months, when I normally break up, with girls, I actually asked her to marry me. Really? Yeah. After two months? Yeah. I don't know that. She said yes, but she didn't remember like a year <laughs> later. So I had to ask her again. I have yes on my laptop. You know what this refers to? <laughs> God, I was drunk last night. 
Um, <clears throat> but so I was thinking about just the way that a really shitty, toxic relationship works. I've been in some one or two, like I think of one in particular. I'm like, I just had this. Care to name any names? No, nah, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're still married, so I can't. <laughs> just kidding, babe. Um, and you have this weird, like unhealthy inclination. Like I got to make this work. Like I just got to figure it out. Like I can't be who I am. I can't express what I want to express. I got to change my behavior. And Mm -hmm. it's like, like she's upset about this. She wasn't about it yesterday, but now it's a problem. You know what I mean? Just constantly like walking on kind of eggshells and to go back to the idea of like, (laughs) it's like, He's so nice to me when I wear the head box, you know? So. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of how that works. <laughs> so they, to go back to the idea of like a, what I was saying, like a parallel economy or a secession and this kind of like slow kind of cultural shift that we're seeing is I thought about that when we are seeing these, this constant monitoring of speech and these shows Saturday Live is just, they're just not good. Daily Show of Trevor Noah is like not good. And normal people just go like, I, I kind of would be denying reality for me to go like, oh, this, you know, the view, they're just like right on it, right on point every time. You know what I mean? Like who's, I mean, some people think that they're fucking dimwits. And I'm yeah, I think they're denying not, reality. I'm not referring to them. So then you have these like, and I think these people are they're kind of leaving, right, slowly in their minds with, the, you know, the comedians that they look at and the shows and the content that they take in, you know what I mean? And then you have these other people, and these the other people, I guess, like you and I would be in this camp. So maybe one, two, five, ten years ago just said, like, we're out of here. Like, I, you guys continue with your not fun (laughs) we're gonna go do something else we're gonna have our own podcasts our own content or we're gonna have our own comedians and we're just gonna do our own thing not saying you need to stop doing your thing but like i just i can't i can't do this anymore like i'm not allowed to say this word and you're gonna say like well now that thing is verboten that you said five years ago and like retroactively canceling people and Mm -hmm. and uh you know just the people that wouldn't bend the knee like right off the bat, you know what I mean? And so I kind of, not to make a metaphor for our two-party political system, because we don't, we have one oligarchy, uniparty political elite system, mm-hmm. but I, I thought of it like in, as a metaphor, as like a way of, of like a party, right? And you're at this party and, you know, five years ago, some of us said like, this party kind of sucks. It's like, Everyone here is a drag. They're miserable. There's like no one's having a good time. It's just this constant. As soon as a good time breaks out, someone comes over. Stop. Stop. Stop doing that. And you're like, and it dawns on you kind of collectively. So many people go, I wonder if I could just leave this party. Like, and not only did they find out they could, but they walked out the door and there's like another party across the street. Right. And they go in there and was like, we're not too big on rules, to be honest with you. Um, don't be a dick, you know. Um, say what you want to say. Joke about what you want to joke about. You marry who you want to marry. Like, whatever. Just uh, treat other people the way you want to be treated, and that's about it. And you're like, man, everyone here is having, like, the fucking best time, right? So then, but you have the people that didn't leave that party soon enough that are trying to leave now, and they have come to find 
that the door is blocked. They're like, you're not fucking leaving. Like, you will stay here. Right. And this is the people, this is how we're seeing the left, that, that yeah. nothing more vicious than left eating the left. That's true, because that was the, uh, the inclination, like, for John Stewart to make that joke about Biden. Like, he, yes. He exactly. Was, That's what made me think of that. Yeah, he was sh- uh, prevented from leaving. You know what's interesting, though? Did you listen to that whole episode? No. He goes straight from making that really good point, same point that you're making mm-hmm. right now about how, like, come on, like, I, what, I can't, I point out that the obvious, like, why is this no, controversial? You cannot, not at this party. To making, a, that was the Tucker episode where mm-hmm. he started, he was talking about the Tucker interview with Putin. Right. And he goes straight from making that point, puts on his blinders, and then goes after Tucker saying the exact stuff that he was criticizing, that he was being criticized for, basically, mm-hmm. like making up. Um, in order to make his joke work, like I was saying previously, making things up and criticizing this guy for doing the exact things that he was being criticized for. Yeah. It's like, dude, really? You can't see it? (laughs) It's right in front of your eyes. Do you remember that one that when he was doing that terrible show that he had, um, like Jon Stewart, whatever, whatever the show was. Oh yeah, yeah. And he did that interview with that lady from Hungary. And he was talking about Victor Orban, mm-hmm. but when he was interviewing this lady, she, it, it's like, it, you actually made the point. I think I put it in the notes because I've been going back through the episodes recently, um, that maybe Jon Stewart is actually like, um, he, he's, he's, uh, saying the opposite of what's true. Like he's a psyop or something like mm-hmm. he's actually saying that, wow, like Victor Orban. And then he would say like whatever the United, the American government was doing. Yeah. Like Victor Orban would do this or censorship of social media. And like, what's it like to live in a country? Oh, like I that? do remember that. Yes. And it was yeah. just like, you're watching this and you're like, dude, seriously, <laughs> you really don't see the irony in what you're saying. And for whatever reason, he's irony proof. And so he did the exact thing that he was being criticized for. He did the exact same thing, criticizing Tucker Carlson. Right. Just, and he couldn't see that, that, that he was doing that. Just like, oh, God, dude, come on. <laughs> I thought about the reason why I brought up uh, the toxic kind of relationship metaphor is that it one day it hits you in that relationship or these people within this kind of toxic culture. It's like... Why do I want to be part of this? Like, why do I want to be here? Why do I want to be in this party? It's like with all these arbitrary fucking rules and just someone constantly looking down their nose at me going like, you, you can say this, but you can't say that. And we're watching, we're making our list and we're checking it twice. And you put that black square in your Facebook and you better say you stand with Ukraine. And there's a 50-year-old man that just joined the women's swim team, you know, a bunch of 13-year-old girls. Like, you better not make a joke about that. Like, mm-hmm. you better say you're okay with it. You, you, you better, better say it out you loud. You better applaud you better that. say it yeah. out loud. We're watching you. How brave is he? You tell us right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's so brave. Do you know the song uh, Better Be Good to Me by Tina Turner? Uh-uh. It was like a hit in the 80s. Sing it for me. No. And um, <laughs> it's about her uh, relationship. I'm using my quote with Ike Turner, who uh-huh. used to systematically beat the shit out of her uh, back in the 70s. And I like the, the systematically. Like it was on a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, baby, it's Just Tuesday. Ex- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> little advent calendar with black and blue See, eyes. Tuesday, that's an open hand. All right. Uh, <laughs> come on in the kitchen. What are, what are my, buddy, my buddy Dusty wants we were in store? Remember those, that, that candy, uh, what do they call Mike and Ike's? Yeah. He goes, wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> a candy called Ike and Tina's and they're all black and blue. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. Tasteful. So anyway, that joke, uh, not that joke, that song uh, it was about Tina Turner and just the horrific abuse she suffered from that psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. And part of what he did was just... It's, a, it's like a dance piece or a... What? The, the song. No. More of a dance number? Uh, it's a dancey, I guess okay. you could say. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just Who doesn't love dancing to domestic violence? <laughs> <laughs> that is my cup of tea. <laughs> and... But she talks about, you know, as abusers do, that someone, they break you psychologically to such an extent that you can't leave that person's right. see the head box, for sure. example. And so I think that was the resistance that maybe I was experiencing before you brought this stuff up on the podcast. I was like, I, I think people, their minds are broken. I was like, look at, look at the, the person still wearing the mask, the head box. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what, what, do you, what do you do with that person? You know what I mean? And that is still out there. Oh, yeah. And you have your people, their heels are fucking dug in. Yep. Like, I saw someone with masks and gloves outside. I was like, dude, it's like your brain has just broken. Like, two weeks ago, I saw a lady with double masks and gloves in her car by herself. Oh, my God. And so you think about the people blocking the door that are trying to leave the party now. Mm-hmm. The, gate, the gatekeepers. So yes. this would be the left that is trying to leave the left. They are literally, in your metaphor, the gatekeepers, and that is what their their whole lives, their power, their role. In fact, the reason podcast that I was complaining to you about this morning, that's what I think these people are upset about. Yeah, they want to be the gatekeepers. Yeah, and that's why we see people like uh, I don't know Barry Weiss, Matt Taibbi, both Weinstein brothers, um, Laura Logan. Uh, Jordan Peterson, hell, even Joe Rogan is a burning guy. Mm-hmm. It's like when they broke ranks and say like this, this is this party is not intellectually honest. Like the ideas are not, you know, we can't shut voices down. I'm not going to say that that's a woman. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to say it. It's like the viciousness and the backlash that those people get prominent voices of the left is abhorrent. It's way worse than what the left says and does towards the right to the right yeah, yeah. it's the people trying to get out of the party here at the final hour going like you're not fucking leaving yeah you will stay here you will say what i want you to say and you will bend the knee and i'm going to change the rules every day and you will comply to every single one mm-hmm. and it's the people going like i'm not going to do it i'm sorry i'm not going to do it i i express admiration for these people that broke ranks are, are trying to leave the party i'm sorry you should have done it five years ago ten years ago you know, 20 in my case. <laughs> I was like, and the door for our party is open. Like, we hope you make it across the street. I was like, but man, you are fighting an uphill battle because these people are fucking vicious. And they realize, I think, to, to they're looking around like, there's not a lot of people left <laughs> at this party. Like, everyone seems to be across the street at this other party. And they're having way more fun right there. And... It's making that there's it's almost like a cornered pack animal. Like mm-hmm. it's, they're getting like desperate, like and the the canceliza- uh, cancellations and the deplatforming and the doxing and you know just the vicious campaigns going against people that are trying to break. You know the last couple people trying to break ranks is 
pretty fascinating to watch. Well, you're getting down to just to go deeper into your metaphor. You're getting down to um, all the attendees of the party have left, and you're just left now with the the DJ and the gatekeepers <laughs> and the people that are like not there to have fun. They were there to enforce the rules on each other and now each they're other. turning that's on all, each other that's all that's left to, <laughs> to lord over is a bunch of fucking hall monitors <laughs> trying to have a good time exactly and so that's why i brought up the abusive relationship because that's how an abusive relationship goes you're like this is toxic this is dysfunctional i'm tired of like being abused i'm tired of the judgment i'm tired of you telling me to i can't talk i can't express myself i'm leaving and just like ike turner goes like you're not going anywhere. You will stay here or I will ruin you. That's why I'm going to start calling the cultural left uh, the Turners. <laughs> Just how we change the name of the mask to the head box. That is good. That is good. Here's a clip from Morning Joe. Um, I think this kind of plays into what you were just saying. In the latest ranking I saw, Russia was second. And Russia's a, a, a military is collapsing. Russia was second to the U.S. military. And yet Donald Trump lies about America's greatness. Donald Trump lies about America's men and women in uniform. Donald Trump lies about <laughs> what small business owners and entrepreneurs and... and, 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 and it was a great party. Wow. Exactly. The geniuses of Silicon Valley and what the the geniuses on Main Street USA, what they're all doing, what they've done to rebuild our economy after COVID. The lies. I don't understand it, Claire. Why do they bash America so much? Uh, Russia's military is crumbling. Uh, Apparently. Hmm. Well, I mean, because they just took uh, another major city in the Ukraine. They now occupy almost 20% of Ukraine. Yeah, I think that's a lie, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, They always lie. They do that, right? I think that, you know, you could say that Russia's military has taken a hit. I mean, I think they've lost a few hundred thousand soldiers. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Crumbling. I would <laughs> quibble with that choice of words. Have you have you heard? We'll get to this later. Have you heard one single person uh, with some sort of platform state that Ukraine has a chance of winning that war? No, not not in a while. Yeah, yeah. No one's saying that. Not anymore. Yeah. No, I think the war is all all but over. It's just a matter of them. Wanting to throw in the towel, yeah, mm-hmm. or not, you know, or <clears throat> it's isn't it interesting? Like, why would we be wasting so many resources on Ukraine? Like, there's got to be more to the story in Ukraine, you know. Well, um, one thing to think about is that the contracts for rebuilding Ukraine have already been given out to BlackRock and JP Morgan Chase. So we could go into that direction. There's obviously stuff like that. I, I think that there's something uh, do you, deeper do you, too. Do you want to hear the 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 neocon, which are which is includes the left at this point, right? Is that this this is the way that they explain it, which I believe to be complete and utter bullshit. Is their explanation is to make it 
so financially and militarily difficult, right? No one's saying Ukraine's going to win that war. No, but they just want to mire Russia down into... They just make it so difficult. It's like uh, you know, being on the schoolyard and the bigger kid picks on you. And you go like, he's going to beat my ass. But if I just make it as difficult as possible, like maybe he'll let up eventually. Right. That's, that's what their explanation is. I think about that with Afghanistan. Except taking you know, a black guy, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people dying. Like Afghanistan. What was the, why? why oh, no. We- see, Afghanistan was different because <laughs> we took over the country from the Taliban uh, for, and then we spent uh, 20 years there and I think close to a trillion dollars. So, cause then we had to transfer power uh, back to the Taliban when, when we left. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Except uh, we armed them too. We left everything. <laughs> it was just going to be too expensive to take, to bring all that military back. So it's, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Bringing it back. I mean, who doesn't need an army? Yeah. It's not like you can fly a Black Hawk helicopter all the way back from Afghanistan. So. No, no. They no. built it there apparently. <laughs> um. Have you seen the movie Lone Survivor? Yes. I do just recently. Yeah, I just watched it. It's kind of weird because I, I watch, what, two movies a year? Um, what did you think of it? I liked it. Really liked it. I did, too. I'm a, I'm a sucker for those kinds of movies. Me, too. Yeah. I cried, I think, uh, at the end when he was thanking the kid for saving his life. Yeah. Like, I mean, they did everything they could to just, like, get right to my heartstrings and yank on him, you know? Like, yeah, it was designed yeah, that, to make me cry, and so I yeah. felt stupid, but... It's good. I, I read that book. This is... So, it was a true story? Uh, yeah, more. I mean, it's glamorized or whatever, but... Okay, this is uh, probably going to piss some listeners off, especially some that I have in mind um, in particular, and I apologize for that, but hear me out. I couldn't help but, while watching that movie, think about the United States, and I guess the backstory is, like, we talk about... I, I talk about how what good news it is that we're all kind of, everyone's kind of starting to wake up. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, how that means there's probably going to be a lot of pain and suffering in our near future. Absolutely. Like there's, there's a price to be paid for everything that's, that's going on. And some of us may have to actually fight mm-hmm. in this scenario. And I think about going to war. Let's just say, God forbid, there was a civil war. And we, you and I and the people of our way of thinking are squared off against the U S military. Mm-hmm. Right. I look at that movie lone survivor and I, these guys that are in the Taliban, like that's their country. Mm-hmm. That's why they got their asses kicked in that movie. Cause they didn't really know, know the terrain. They didn't know where they were. And those guys did. Um, and same with Vietnam, same with Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. Let's, you know, Vietnam maybe is an even better, less, uh, painful, version of this story or way to tell it, but who would we be in that movie? We'd be the fucking Taliban mm-hmm. with our limited training, our limited weapons, but our fighting for what we believe in our homes. And here's this military that's doing what, what in Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Why are they in Afghanistan? Right. You know, like those guys mm-hmm. got killed there, but did, they probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. That I couldn't help but keep falling back into that mindset as I'm watching right. that movie. Now, I mean, I get it. I, I, it was a heart wrenching movie. I said I cried in it, but I couldn't help but keep going back to like, what the fuck? Why so, is he falling off the fucking side of a cliff in some foreign country that he's doing? He has probably no idea even why he's there. It's not like we're going after Osama bin Laden in that movie. They're enforcing some fucking 
bullshit mission that's eventually going to end in us bailing and leaving all of our guns and helicopters and shit there for the Taliban anyways, mm. you know? Well, the... So, as you know, I listen to a lot of stuff that I don't agree with or don't align with. You know, I look mm-hmm. at and read NPR or uh, listen to NPR, read Huffington Post, uh, look at CNN. I just, like, try to check everything out. And um, one of the reasons... Because I I want to know, well, what everyone is saying, especially if it's something that I disagree with. And I want to know when things don't make sense. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's, what's your explanation for this? Like, and so I've been, which helps you kind of steel man your arguments, I feel. Mm-hmm. And so the answer to your question, the why, the, at least the most succinct kind of explanation that I've heard is that which is the epitome of the neocon and now the left's perspective of like why we need to be in Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, Yemen, Syria, you know, why we need to send money to Ukraine. It's if we don't, it's kind of interesting when people say what you, the way that you demonize them in their head and then they just say that thing. You're like, huh. That's what I thought. I was trying not to be polite. <laughs> I was trying to be yeah. polite and not say that, but well, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that but that is just American imperialism, which the left was traditionally against for. That's what it is. It's going we if we don't stop Russia and Ukraine, then it's going to be Poland and then it's going to be here and it's going to be here and I don't think people understand. I had to explain from a neocon perspective. It's like once you know, if China takes Taiwan mm-hmm. or we don't... Um, yeah, the domino theory. We don't, yeah, exactly. If we don't uh, keep our foothold, you know, we're the, we're the Red Sea, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Around, you know, the ports there. It's like it's going to drive up shipping costs because someone else will be in control and they're not friendly to U.S. interests. And so, like, we need to be over there as a dominant force politically and as a military to keep a global world order. Right, because... Like, so that's imperialism, right? right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I was like, so you're, <laughs> you're an American imperialist. Yeah, you're you're ne- you're a neocon. That's right. that's '90s neocon. You're not pro-American. If you're a pro-American, you'd be pro-jobs in America, making things in America, not giving away foreign aid to a bunch of countries mm-hmm. that only makes everyone's situation in the world worse. Well, if your ethos is American imperialism, then. That is pro-American. It's, it's that's not it's, the same thing. It's a global, pol- yeah. It is, it is not right, but that's the but way. That's what they would consider. Yeah, convoluted. Our foreign policy. It, it's in America's best interest to dominate the world. Yes. It's like look, show me the history of that and how that's worked out. That's why the, some of the disagreements I've had with people about like I don't, I don't. I'm sorry, Ukraine. You got to figure this one out. Like it's not my business. Sorry, Israel, Gaza. Like you got. Yeah. Like. It's not, it's not on us. It's like, why would we get involved? Right? Yeah, I'm sorry, Taiwan. But if the problem is that all of the microchips are being made in Taiwan, are you telling me the solution isn't to make the microchips here? In America. Instead, it's to go to war so that we have to go to and war they, with other countries in order to prevent China from going to war with us. So I'm getting better. Tell me how that I fucking mean, logic works. The yeah. way to prevent China from attacking... Taiwan is to go to war with a bunch of fucking countries in the world. Right. Because then the argument against that. You, know, you heard of Superman? A steel man. I mean, steel man and everything. <laughs> man and of steel. They, and they go, 
argument is that it's like, well, if they did that, then, you know, electronics, your phone, whatever, would be four times as expensive. My answer is like, maybe they should be. Maybe we wouldn't have all this bullshit in the fucking landfill if things were more expensive. Maybe I wouldn't have to get a fucking upgrade every 14 months. <laughs> yes. I, please give me back the phone that I had 10 years ago. It worked really good. It was, it fit in my hand exactly. I mean, why the fuck do I need a new phone? Let's please don't, don't, don't make me go down there. I didn't say anything. I'm just listening. Yeah, I know. I know what you were doing. That toxic relationship I was breaking up earlier. Pick it at me all day. This is so typical, this clip from Morning Joe of them accusing. <laughs> so miserable. Oh, aren't they? Aren't they? They Can't just. I always. I can't help indulging in their misery. Like, what if you had to go camping with those people? We're like, oh, oh my god, the longest weekend ever. Maybe if it was a silent retreat. <laughs> but they're always accusing Donald Trump of doing all these things. Trump. Sir, yeah. this was a silent retreat. Trump. Into his pillow. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> The, uh, they can, they can never give you an example of, so he just says he's lying about this and he's lying about that. And he's lying. It's like, okay. About what? About what? Name the example. Name. Give me something, <laughs> right? What is he actually lying about? And they can't. That's my favorite clip. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the irony is if you travel around the world, which I'm fortunate enough to have a chance to do, um, several times a year. You know what the rest of the world sees right now? They see America with the strongest economy. The strongest they're trying, economy. Okay, let's address right, we'll this. Back this let's up. address this. Right after that. What, what they're trying to do with Ask this someone clip. Someone say this to me. Okay, what they're trying to do with this clip is make this really pathetic. Actually, I have another clip that's doing the same thing. Uh, they're making I'm a really. MAGA. Oh, you hate America? Yeah. Yeah. What's MAGA stand for? Make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to make this really pathetic appeal to <laughs> the, really the nationalism of of the MAGA voter, mm-hmm. right? And saying that actually Donald Trump hates America, and we here at Morning Joe are just so pro American. We're just we're just like a, we want to get in touch with the real working man out there. We're a blue collar show, right? That's what they're attempting to do here. It falls so flat. It's, it's like that vid- you see video uh, the video of Biden. God, I should have played it. Uh, he's trying to basically salvage his campaign and mm-hmm. reaching out to uh, folks of color. <laughs> they, they, they filmed, uh, I think, like a TikTok video of him eating uh, dinner with a family, just like sitting there with oh, like, some middle-class family. Like, so what do you do? You, you, and dude, he brought him fried chicken, and then he's like, and watermelon. <laughs> and then he's asking them about basketball. He's like, well, got fried chicken, uh, basketball. I'm all out of stuff to talk yeah. about, y'all. <laughs> so uh, you guys smoke crack? or? Uh, <laughs> It's the most awkward video I've ever seen in my life. A chance to do um, several times a year. You know what the rest of the world sees right now? They see America with the strongest economy. They see Stop. America with Stop. the most advanced Stop. technology. Okay. This is killing me because I had someone tell me this. They were talking about like the rate of inflation. Oh, God. He's like, it as it's, uh, it's at. What do you? How do you word it? Oh, dude, it was pretty crap. I gotta get inflation it is down. It's down, which like, means that no, the- no, 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 no. The rate of inflation is down. Yes. Okay. You saying inflation is down is me saying I gained a hundred pounds 
last year, mm-hmm. but I only gained 50 this year. And you're telling me I'm a fat fuck that's going to die of metabolic heart yeah, disease. No, I'm my like, weight no, gain my is rate, down. Rate, my weight gain is down. The rate of weight gain yes. is down. Inflation is not down. This is no, not the strongest it's like a, economy. It's a car speeding this towards is, a cliff. This is the truth that lies. Okay, we used to be doing 100 miles an hour towards the cliff. Now we're only doing 50 miles an hour towards the cliff. Yep. It's like, yeah, there's still a fucking cliff up there. That hasn't changed. They see America with the strongest economy. They see America with the most advanced technology. Uh, America's universities still the brightest light on the horizon in terms of academics and research. They see American companies still exceeding in terms of their global reach. But you know what they really look down their nose at? They look down their nose at Donald Trump. Of course, right? This is the thing. Everything she said there. Oh, so boring. Everything she said there is true, right? Yes, we have the strongest economy. Yes, we have all these good things about America. That doesn't mean, though, that things are good. Yeah. Things have been like the car is still speeding towards the cliff, right? right? It may have slowed down a little bit from the high rate of speed that it had during COVID, but we're still heading for peril. Right? There is still disaster on the horizon, and this shit needs to be stopped. The rate at which I wear, make you wear the head box has, been, <laughs> has gone down from last year. I mean, that's not nothing, you know. <laughs> I appreciate Thank that. you. Yeah. But my issue is overall with the head box. <laughs> you can kind of see it from where I am. Yeah. It's always Donald Trump, right? There knows that Donald Trump being the leader. I mean, what they, everyone says to you when you travel, well, you wouldn't elect him again, would you? Um, hasn't the country learned? You wouldn't ever give this guy power again, would you? Tell us that he's not going to be reelected. Please tell us that you've learned your lesson. You know, if they really wanted to reach the voters that it seems like they're making this odd, this awkward attempt to reach, they would do what we were talking <laughs> about. That joke, that, yeah, it, it was awkward. In the beginning of about memes and things like you can't just lie to people and expect them not to tell people can tell people are human bullshit detectors and eventually they're going to pick up on your lies instead of doing this really like hacky kind of uh how bad trump is thing actually just speak to people about the things that trump has literally done and is actually bad at Mm-hmm. Problem is they can't do that because dude, I can do everyone. It for, on I, can, the, I can do it for you guys. Well, the problem is that everyone on the left is way worse, yeah, than Trump. So when they it's point the same out same way they can't meme, when they point out, yeah, his like record on COVID, which is something that I think Donald Trump deserves to be uh, have his feet held to the fire for. They they end up looking worse because yep. their record on COVID was a hundred times worse than his, even though he was bad on COVID, mm-hmm. right? So they can't. So all they can do is just you know, make up this, like these lies that people see right through. It ends up falling so flat and you don't know. It's just, it's funny for us. They're just, I've done that once dumb. to someone who was ranting about Trump. Like what, what, what specifically, what's the issue? Like really? Well, I don't, I mean, she's like racist. Like he, me, like, name him. <laughs> name him. <laughs> and they're like, what are you a Trump? I was like, nah, I got, I did honestly, I'm agnostic on the guy. No feelings about him. I was like, he did some stuff I thought was good, some stuff I thought was bad. And I named off all the stuff that I thought he did bad. It's like, he, uh, he sent arms to Ukraine. Um, he didn't stop any new wars, didn't start any new wars, but uh, Operation Warp Speed, uh, he's terrible on the lockdowns, terrible on COVID. He 
he printed what nine trillion dollars. Loves printing. I was looking at the person. I'm like, you want to take some notes here, like for your next tantrum? Like, it's just like have a couple of things in the holster. You know what I mean? I've had that exact same conversation with Trump supporters. Yeah, because it works both ways. You're like, yeah, yeah like I, I mean, I'm I, I have voted for the guy because I thought he was the lesser of two evils, but he was terrible on this, that, and the other. And it's people that are Trump supporters kind of have to acknowledge. What do you that. think the Democrats are gonna do? 86% of people think Joe Biden is not mentally capable of running for president. It's got to be Gavin Newsom. Well, he's surging in Vegas. This might be a good time <laughs> to check the odds in Vegas. <laughs> uh, let's see. Joe Biden down to 41%. Donald Trump, 45%. Gavin Newsom, 11%. 11. Yeah. Surging. The, let's see. Who, is el- who else is running? Kamala... And Robert Kennedy Jr. are both ahead of Nikki Haley, who refuses to drop out. Nikki dude, Haley. Pete Buttigieg it, is on this list. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Nikki Haley is the epitome of a fucking chicken hawk, a neocon chicken hawk. One of the worst. Dude, she's all in on just every war. Well, it's kind of makes sense, right? Like, there isn't that Republican uh, John McCain figure in the race, you know, she's filling that void. It's like, we've yeah. always had that. Yeah. I guess we should still have it. So we'll just put her in there for that. Even though nobody wants that. Some that stuff is so, it's so transparent. Like it makes, you can't get angry about it. You're just more kind of baffled. Like, isn't it kind of obvious how this bullshit works? Like she leaves the UN bankrupt pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, sits on the board of what? Boeing, Raytheon, one of, one of the military yeah. industrial complex companies. Gets filthy and, fucking rich. She's filthy rich. And out there parodying every single pro-war narrative. No one just, like, just, these are pretty simple things to look at. You can kind of see, like, how this, you understand how this works. And you get to utilize, uh-huh. Dude, in, in church this morning, our pastor was talking about um, something. I know I wasn't really paying attention. But um, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> one of blah, the blah, blah. <laughs> he he put up a uh, a quote from the Bible and it was uh, something to the effect of um, Jesus is God, but he didn't come down to earth and be like, "I am God, bow down, mm-hmm. humans." You know, he was uh, actually it was the opposite. He took the the role of a servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he bathed the feet of of sick people. Was it lepers or, you know, he was, mm-hmm. he was, just, he, he acted like a servant, um, in his role here on earth. Seems like the not le- like a God. Seems like the leopard would bite you. No leper. Gotcha. gotcha yes. Gotcha. Lepor. Okay. Yes. I missed that part of the Bible. Well, I, st- I stumped, I stuttered when I said that because I thought, well, if you wash the feet of a leper, like your toes might fall off. So that didn't actually make sense. Neither one of them makes sense. No. So, so I think th- I had that a little bit. This is the problem I have with the Bible. I had it wrong. <laughs> it's, it's probably more me than the Bible. Gotcha. Um, and so it made me, I, of course, you know, where my mind's at all the time. <laughs> do, do you remember when we were going to call an NPR and they're having that segment on yoga? Popped in my head. Yes, sir. We'll take a call. We got Kelly on from Santa Rosa. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I uh, just think we're beating around the bush here. There's an obvious elephant in the room, you know, with the... Uh, What's that? With, well, I mean, Darth Vader, right? Darth, Darth Vader? Yeah, you know, the, the, the evil guy. The, 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 no, no. The, no, no the Yoda sir, no, fights. Sir, the, no, we're talking about yoga. 
Oh. Yoga. Oh, not Yoda. Yeah, no, no, yoga. Ah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just take my answer off there. Okay, thank you. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about Jesus, as one does in church, and um, his role as a servant, and not as I am king, you know, bow down and, and before me, kiss my, my ring or whatever. And I was thinking of politicians who like Nikki Haley, you know, would call themselves and they, they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they say that they're in public service, uh. that they're public servants, you know? And I'm not saying all politicians are bad or <laughs> evil, right? If you want to change the way that our government works, becoming a elected official is probably your best chance to actually do that. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that you could do. So not everyone that's in there is evil, but I thought of a good I, litmus I would, test. I would say that, that that delineation between those two kinds of people, the people that are just interested in power and control and success and personal wealth, um, that that's a metric that gets flip-flopped as you go up the power hierarchy, up mm-hmm. the power strata. Mm-hmm. So your person running for school council, for example, Mike Greer, who we had in here for, was the state assembly? Mm-hmm. Um, people interested, like those are not like lu- crazy lucrative jobs. You know, the people interested in that is like they really, they have a philosophy, they really want to do some change. That's why it's so important. Like it's so hard for me to hold my nose and vote ever. Local stuff, I research every single thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's really important. Like, that's the stuff. Those are the things that can change your community, you know, personally affect your kid's school, your life, your house, your district, everything like that. So I'd say that that just corrupt political sociopath average <laughs> goes up. I, I think you're game. right. Yeah. I think you're right about that. I was thinking about the litmus test, and this actually probably works with what you just said. You can ask yourself, what sacrifices has this public servant, air quotes, made in order to do what they yeah. claim to be doing right. in office? Most of them, I mean, what sacrifices has Nancy Pelosi made in office? Mm-hmm. She has a salary that is, you know, more than I make, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, it's what, like 180000 200000 a year yeah, or something? It's just under 200000 Yeah. Yet she's worth $40 million. Like, uh, more than that. Explain the sacrifices that she has made in order to do what she's done in office, right? They don't do it to serve. They do it so that you will bow down and kiss the ring. They want money. They want power. Yeah. Right? If you can point to a public servant who's actually made sacrifices, mm-hmm. then I think that you might have something there. Yeah. And I think that with local politicians, like I was going to run for city council here. And one thing that kind of scared me off of it was the time commitment. Yeah. That is a sacrifice mm-hmm. that I would have to make in order to do that. I'm not going to get anything out of it. You don't get paid anything, basically, to be on right. Santa Rosa City Council. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that do it are already pretty well established or they're making a, a you know really great sacrifice to, to spend the time doing that. So yeah. I don't know. I thought that was kind of a interesting thing to be thinking about during church.
place for you. Uh, social media is just ubiquitous. And, you know, again, you know, you had 140 characters on Twitter, and then it went to 280 characters. Now, thanks to Elon Musk, and I call it Twix now, by the way. I'm trying to make Twix happen. There you I don't, go. Know, I don't know if trying. it will. Yes. Trying, not succeeding. <laughs> uh, now the... It's, it's <laughs> Twix. Uh, where's the laugh track when you need one? Okay, so this is. Can you explain that joke to me? Do you want me to explain? Or was that a joke? It. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I've definitely felt the need to put a laugh track there. He's trying to call Twitter Twix. Mm. By the way, it's called Twitter. Mm hmm. And it's, if you call it X, like God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but if you call it Twitter and then go, um, I guess now it's called X or, you know, this, uh, I, I still call it Twitter because it's, you know, that's just, you know, the artist shut formerly the known fuck as Twitter. up. <laughs> just, just call it Twitter and let's all get on with our lives. All right. We're wasting way too much time on the name of fucking Twitter. I'm going to Twix. <laughs> you see that thing I Twixed out? <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Okay, so this is uh, Christine. Uh, I got another Twix from James. <laughs> okay, go. This is Christine Rule interviewing Bill Cohan, I think is how it pronounces his name. And I don't even know why I stumbled across this, but mm -hmm. uh, it's on MSNBC. And it's interesting to me because this lady, Christine Rule is a uh, anchor or a, an interviewer, mm -hmm. and she used to be a banker. Okay. And so, of course, you know, people on Twitter that are praising her said... People on what? Twitter. Uh, what now? <laughs> you never heard of it? <laughs> Twix. Uh, Twix, sorry. Thank you. Okay. Uh, as going from uh, banker to anchor. Because <laughs> they rhyme. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, no, that's a joke. And they put the, <laughs> she has pinned to the top of her Twitter page. It says uh, like from 2018, like Christine Rule made our list of you know top ten badass women from 2018 or whatever. Mm -hmm. and it's like, can we stop with the badass chick <laughs> thing? All right, not every woman needs to be Sarah Connor. Yeah. Right. Like, what's wrong with just being like a house? wife that takes care of just laying under the bed in the head box. Yeah. What's the big deal? <laughs> Is it right? so much to ask? God, God this whole is everyone into a badass. <laughs> All right. Just get kidnapped and obey my orders. Is that too much to ask for God's sake? So this guy, Bill Cohen or Cohan, however you say his name, it's spelled C O H A N. He was a journalist and then became a banker. So she was a banker, became anchor to banker. He went anchor to banker. I don't, don't think anchor quite right. satisfies. Although he is kind of chubby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're talking about censorship and how the ultra wealthy are immune to censorship. Now, thanks to 
Elon Musk, and I call it Twix now, by the way. I'm trying to make Twix happen. There you go. I'm really trying, trying, not succeeding. Uh, Now it's it's unlimited number of characters, and so people like Bill Ackman just go hog wild on it. And it's not not inarticulate or anything. It's probably well thought out, and he's well-meaning. But he writes the kinds of things that anybody else who wasn't independently wealthy, who wasn't a billionaire, who didn't work for himself, would get fired long ago. And why don't they? Whether it's Bill Ackman or Elon Musk, why is it that they can stand up and weigh in on anything with no consequences? Wait, 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 wait. His problem is that they can go on Twix and say anything they want and other people can't do that? Yes. Because other people... holds no water. Well, other people face consequences. Like what? They get canceled. Like what what did Bill Ackman say? they get fired. Bill Ackman say? I don't know, but... He's also makes the point that it used to be 140 characters. Now it's unlimited. So he can just say whatever. It's like, well, now it's 280 characters, I guess. And so whatever it's still, it's like, so the problem is that there weren't too many characters. Now it used to be better because a guy like Bill Ackman, this wealthy millionaire with these crazy ideas was limited to 140 characters. That was better. Now he can say whatever he wants, and that's the problem. And now that's he's, now he's going hog wild as he pronounces <laughs> it. Jimmy Diamond can't. Well, they don't run public companies. They don't well, run public well, companies. Well, excuse me. Um, Tesla, Elon Musk does. I guess he's well, in a special category. He, he's in a special category. Bill Ackman is, uh, you know, independently wealthy. With, you know, he's got a a board at one of his public companies, but basically he runs a hedge fund where he's not accountable to anybody but his investors. And he returns, you know, nice high rates of return for those investors. And, you know, they don't seem to mind. Dude, this is this is such a perfect example of what I was talking about before. Of like the people that are disgusted by this. Like, you know how like, because we left the this lame ass party mm-hmm. years ago. And for this very reason, because my reaction, like, I just, I straight up did not understand what he's saying. I was like, can't, can't anyone just say whatever they want? Right. I was like, why not? And he's saying, like, no, this is the problem, though. It's like, you know. There's a very good reason why not. Yeah. Because they're not saying things that these two agree with. Yeah. That the media agrees with. Right. That the cathedral approves. If, that, if, it, if it was him. That's the only reason they're upset. If it was him, if Bill Ackman went on and ranted about Trump. And talking about how oh, well, you need to get that money to Israel and Ukraine yes. like, sooner oh. the better. Then finally, someone has the courage to be. stand up. Yeah, because because Trump controls the whole entire world, and we are just the little guy fighting the fight against Trump. You know, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Again, this is a silent <laughs> retreat. <laughs> I love it because this is again that attempt to appeal to like mainstream America, blue collar America. Yeah. They're criticizing these wealthy. Millionaires for who which can they say are. whatever, which these two people are both bankers. Yeah. Okay. Keep that in mind here. And they're trying to like make this pathetic appeal to the little guy right. in this. It's just so sad. He goes off uh, on Claudine Gay or Sally Cornbluth at MIT. But talk about this paradigm shift because traditionally people that were that wealthy and powerful wanted to be like the Wizard of Oz. They wanted to be puppet masters pulling strings without having to face the public. 
Bill Ackman, as just as an example. Lo- like that's a better yeah scenario. Yeah, the, wasn't it better when they were behind the curtain and they were just pulling the strings and it's like, okay. Bill Ackman, as just as an example, loves this, right? When he was first in the mouth of the lion, right? When it was Business Insider going after his wife, I picked up the phone and I called Bill and I said, Bill, let me just tell you, you do not want to do this. You put yourself in the middle of, it's a mess. He couldn't wait to get in it. He loved it. He was laughing on the phone. He wanted to, to, to just roll in the mud, as does Elon Musk. Why do they want to do this? Well, Stephanie, you and I have been covering people like uh, Bill Ackman for a long time and Elon Musk. They love to be in the limelight. They love to be at the center of attention. So the takeaway is that not that everyone should be able to speak their minds and say right. things that these two disagree with. Yeah. But that most people get censored. They get fired from their jobs or there's a limit on what they can say. And these rich assholes get to say whatever they want. We should be censoring them as well. Not everyone should be able to speak and not get fired from their fucking job. No, we need to censor everyone, including these rich bastards. It's just foreign to me. It really is. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's... To go from the things that we talked about in the beginning of this episode to this, like, it's kind of a perfect example of what I was bringing up. Yeah. Of like, what? Why don't we all just, everyone should be able to express whatever opinion they wanted. And if you don't, if we're over here at this party doing this thing, and if it's not for you, that's totally fine. Just don't, you're welcome to hang out as long as you want. You're welcome to express whatever opinion you want to do. You can't go to that party across the street. They're over there lying. They're lying. They're lying about the economy. They're lying about Russia. They're lying about, like, okay, I'm going to that party. Yeah. But just to humor you, what? give me an example of what they're lying about. Yeah. Just, no, they're lying. They're, it's like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> All right, you have nothing. You can't give me an actual and example. That's where you get so. the, you're not leaving. Yeah, exactly. Now you just can't leave. <laughs> yeah, you're staying here. <laughs> Put the head box on. Um, are you following this uh, Alexei Navalny thing at all? Yes. Okay. I have uh, multiple questions about this. And the more I kind of got into it, um, I started going, just getting in there, man, getting the information. <laughs> so he recently died in a, what do you know about? He recently died in a Russian prison colony. Okay, I'll give you the, this is the mainstream version. So, um, what's his first name? Alexei. Alexei Alexei Navalny was a Russian dissident. Mm -hmm. He was um, very critical of Vladimir Putin. And and, as most people are, by the way, I don't know if this is going to come up, um, the Tucker interview, but um, let me just say that. You and I get lumped into, I think, well, we probably lump ourselves into the category of libertarian-minded people who are anti-war mm-hmm. and um, are okay with Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin. Which got us kicked off the left. Because, <laughs> because um, I mean, what's the harm, right? Right. Um, the, the, parallel, but, the parallel we drew to... Uh, since there was this collective and very predictable outrage for Tucker Carlson going and interviewing Putin, is the there was a kind of a direct connection to the same thing right before we decide to illegally invade Iraq. They were saying like Saddam Hussein is saying like I want to debate with George Bush. I want the whole world to see 
Yeah. You know, it's like, they're going to do this. Like, it's too late at this point. They're basically at my border. And I want to have a debate because I want everyone to hear what I have to say. And I was like, absolutely not. No. And that obviously means that you and I are big Saddam Hussein fans. <laughs> Apparently. Okay. That same thing is happening right now with Tucker Carlson. Like, he is, yeah. and, and anyone who's anti-war is a huge uh, Vladimir Putin fan and also believes that the Ukraine deserved the uh, to be invaded. Yeah. That's basically our stance, according to anyone that doesn't, well, anyone who doesn't listen to the podcast, I guess. Yeah. Anyone that criticizes Tucker Carlson does so because he's a huge Vladimir Putin fan and des- thinks Ukraine deserved to be invaded by Russia and is in support of all of the bad things that Tucker Carlson does because we can only think in black and white terms here. And so that same side... um, There's no nuance at this party. Exactly. So uh, Alexei Navalny, um, from what I can tell from that side, and they might not be wrong about all this, was a political dissident, uh, anti-Putin guy, and for his uh, dissent was poisoned at one point, Mm -hmm. survived, returned to Russia, was imprisoned, and then killed by Vladimir Putin. According to Adam on the PBD podcast, it's 1 billion percent affirmed. 1 billion. Yes. Those are good odds. That uh, Vladimir Putin killed him in prison. Um, And that's just another sign of how terrible people you and I are, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up. Good. Um, A couple things stood out to me about this story is all of a sudden everyone, the name Alexei Navalny is on everyone's mouth. Everyone all of a sudden like knows who this guy is, Mm -hmm. which I thought to be a little odd. Now, the reason why that is, is that this to an exhaustive degree was released on all mainstream media. Every political elite was giving speeches about Navalny and his legacy and like what it meant and how he's murdered and like this is how bad Putin is. And so the first question I asked, and this kind of kicks off the whole thing, is like why would the death of a Russian political dissident in a prison colony be covered so thoroughly in U.S. mainstream media? And isn't it odd that... Anything that happens in Russia is of utmost importance right. to us. It apparently was. This was covered for over a week straight. I mean, it's still being talked about. It's like Russia is, might as well be Mexico mm-hmm. for some reason. It's, like, it's so important. Gold, gold jacket, green jacket, who, who gives, gives a, a shit? shit? <laughs> so, because the reason why I ask that is that political dissidents die in prison in foreign countries all the time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they get murdered. And they get murdered. This is not... Right. Yeah. This happens in countries that are not friendly to us, Iran, Syria, you know, North Korea. Uh, this happens to country in countries that are U.S. friendlies, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Never gets a blip in news, ever, yeah. right? Not that he was a uh, political dissident, but... Uh, 
Jeffrey Epstein was <laughs> murdered. Killed himself. Uh, sorry. Uh, killed himself in an American uh, prison. Dude, I was making a list of things that just like, we're just going to put that on the shelf and not talk about it next to the COVID pandemic and uh, weapons of mass destruction and <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. The VAERS data, we're going to put that up there. Just <laughs> the amount of friends that I've had that like, I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, I don't know. I don't really follow that. I'm like, that's kind of interesting because two years ago, you had a very, very strong opinion on it. And it's all for you to all of a sudden not be following it is kind of interesting to me. Um, I thought it was also interesting that the talking points, the narrative, the uh, basically I, what I deemed to be the propaganda was all exactly the same, right? All mainstream media, Fox, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, um, and to our political elites on both sides of the aisle, I'm using my quotes there because there is no aisle, they're all saying the exact same thing, Republicans and Democrats, right? Now we can go into further why that is. I mean, they're all the same party, as we mentioned earlier, but I find it, you know, we talked about the Liberty Tree literacy course, it would be like one of the first chapters for me. When you... The media literacy? The media literacy, mm -hmm. yeah. When you see everyone saying the exact same thing, Hillary Clinton, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Joe Biden, Kareem John von Clown, whatever her name is. <laughs> von Clown. <laughs> uh, when everyone is saying the exact same thing, that's when you start asking questions. I mean, when Hillary Clinton says anything... You gotta kind of go. Wait a second. Why is she talking? <laughs> what, what is she? Oh, he committed suicide too, huh? That's a. What are the chances? The former first lady. Like, who cares? So, are you familiar with uh, Gonzalo Lira? No. No, Gonzalo Lira was. He died in a Ukrainian prison. He was an American citizen. Okay. And he was outspoken against, I got this mixed up earlier, sorry, but he very much pushed up against Zelensky. He was basically the Alexei Navalny version, but on the opposite. Mm -hmm. He very much went against the NATO narrative and was very much against Valensky, uh, Zelensky. Now, he was put in jail hmm. um, for spreading Russian disinformation. Russian or Ukrainian? Uh, pushing Russian disinformation in Ukraine. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, so he, he was seen as a pro-Putin sympathizer. Yeah. It's different when a democracy in a freedom-loving land like Ukraine does it, though. You kind of got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, except that he died in prison, too, last month. Oh, yeah? Yeah. From pneumonia at the age of 55. Those prisons are cold. <laughs> okay, very much. From what I understand. They don't put a lot of money into the heating of those prisons. <clears throat> Last month, the IDF, under extremely dubious circumstances, killed a 17-year-old Palestinian America, American north of the West Bank. He was also an American citizen. His name was Tafik Hijak. You ever heard that name? No. Okay. Have you heard of Shareem Abdul-Kala? No. He was also killed by the IDF. Now, in both instances, the IDF said, like, oh, it was an accident. They're like, well, it wasn't. First, they said they didn't do it. And then they're like, it looks like you did. They say, well, it was an accident. And then independent uh, uh, investigations in both instances said, like, they killed this guy on purpose. Who were those guys? They were Americans. But what were they doing there? Protesting. Okay. Protesting against the IDF. They were both Palestinian Americans. One was 17 years old. Do you ever hear any one of those names? So those were American citizens. Why would we not hear of those three people that were recently 
killed by other governments that were American citizens, no coverage whatsoever. Yet we heard ad nauseum for over a week straight about Alexei Navalny, mm-hmm. who was a Russian citizen. And it's like, that's the thing that keeps getting brought up is that Tucker Carlson is kind of the uh, stand-in right here for the rest of us that are questioning right. kind of what's going on. But Tucker Carlson um, said nothing about, uh, you know, he, he he loves Vladimir Putin and he's not going to push back. It's right. like he didn't question him on his brutality of his killing of journalists mm-hmm. and things like that. It's like, no, he did a little bit, but he knows, we all know that Vladimir Putin is a gnarly gangster mm-hmm. that murders his political rivals right, and locks journalists in prison. He's been doing that forever. And kills them. And kills them. Yeah. We, we know that he poisons people all the time, pushes yeah. them out the windows. We understand that. Yeah. No one's claiming that he didn't. But the narrative, what keeps getting pushed back is like, oh... You you think that Putin is some great guy who never does anything wrong? It's like I think a lot. Of no, what, we never said that. I think a lot of what you're talking about right there goes back to the John Stewart discussion, because what we are looking at is for Tucker Carlson, but on the opposite end, and like John Stewart's kind of like straddling this line, much to his chagrin. You know, comes back nine years later for him to quickly find out like it's not left versus right anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's are you pro state? Are you anti-authority? Right. That's what it's coming down to. That's what that, why there's such a collective and I would say coordinated backlash against back, uh, Tucker Carlson going like, I just want to have that discussion. Why don't you ask him about this? Why don't you ask him about that? And he goes, everyone's already saying that. I'm there to find out the things that people aren't talking about already. Yeah. They're like, well, you need to be fucking canceled for that. Right. So it's like, no, no one's, no one's denying that Putin is a terrible monster. So the, the narrative to, you know, according to our drive-by propaganda chuckleheads, also known as our <laughs> <laughs> mainstream media, is that Alexei Navalny was a hero who was willing to risk imprisonment and his eventual, you know, untimely demise to expose the truth about a corrupt, violent regime. Expose the truth about a violent, corrupt regime. Mm-hmm. Here's a name you do recognize. What? Here's a name you do recognize. Okay. Julian Assange. Didn't he do the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. He's been, he's an, an Ecuadorian em- embassy seeking asylum. From there, he went to the, uh, in Great Britain, that known as their, uh, the Britain Guantanamo yeah, Supermax super facility. Cool. That like he, Terrible he, conditions. He's going to lose his extradition, extradition hearing to come to the U.S. He's going to rot to death mm-hmm. in a U.S. prison for doing the exact same thing. Everyone seems to be okay with that. But then we have it, but because he spoke against the wrong people. Right. This guy, Alexei Navalny, was sticking with a narrative. Therefore, he's a hero. And his legacy needs to be continued by what? By funding a war. Does that make any sense to you? It makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, how familiar, familiar are you with the Nord Stream pipeline? Fairly. Okay. So back to Putin and Navalny. And the previously mentioned Nord, Line, Nord Stream Pipeline. Now, Putin had nothing to gain by Navalny dying, right? He, at best, I've seen that he had roughly 3% uh, approval from the Russian population. Now, to steel man, my argument, 
what maniac in Russia would openly <laughs> <laughs> answer a poll and say, like, yeah, I'm a big Navalny guy. What, what is your opinion of Vladimir Putin? He's good, he's great, or fuck Putin. <laughs> <laughs> but the collective outrage from the cathedral, I guess we can call it, because it was all of media and all of political elites, at least from a Western perspective, is... They're like, what kind of a animal, you know, would try to get rid of his political opponent, you know, by throwing him in jail, right? Oh, wait, we're talking about Russia today. Sorry about that. <laughs> so this guy was already in a prison in the Arctic Circle. He'd been there for three years. He had, let's just give him 10% approval rating, right? He had no political power. He was in prison. So Putin had nothing. It was a net loss for him to be murdered because all it did is change was turn political sentiment. It galvanized the anti-Putin kind of sentiment in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Big time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could make an argument that he had something to be gained by Navalny being killed. Mm -hmm. I think that <clears throat> a simplistic way to look at it is like, he's a political opponent that has some notoriety. And if he's dead, then you don't have to worry about people getting riled up by a guy like that. So simplistically, yeah, kill him. Why not? But, but if he's in prison... But then what does he have to lose? Politically, politically, like what kind of a threat did he pose to Putin? I, I would say there is an argument to be made that there was some threat. Um, see, see, even though he's in prison. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you at the, in the end. I think yeah. what, what does he have to lose by killing him? A mm -hmm. ton. Yeah. Like now everyone's talking about it. I mean, so and, we, we could call it. And, and Putin is KGB, like the dictator. Like they always go back and forth with him being dumb and him being a genius. I heard on one, being, I heard on one like, program that, you know, the way he was killed is they made him walk outside for two hours and it lowered his heartbeat. And the KGB has this, this, uh, this special death punch. It's like one punch to the heart and it could kill per I was like, touch of death. It's like, come on, you, we need better psyops, guys. <laughs> Is that an NPR? Uh, I don't remember where I heard it. I'm sure I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I'm saying like you're yeah. you're probably right. Like it's a he has we, way more to lose. It's, than a net, the game. it's a net loss. Yeah, exactly. Right, net loss. So Nord Stream pipeline. Remember this. Russia invades. Uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. How are you going to do that? So oh, we're going to do it. Biden says that the North Stream pipeline blows up. And what's the narrative? Russian. Putin oh, it looks it. like Russia blew up their own pipeline. Like, why would they blow up their own pipeline? Well, see, they were trying to play some 4D chess to, you know what I mean, try to manipulate. <laughs> it's like we, we came out and officially stated there will be no more North Stream pipeline. And all you chuckleheads, all you dummies that buy this shit, like, that's not what they said. <laughs> like who who's fucking buying this? Right. I just see several parallels between the Nord Stream pipeline and Navalny dying. It's just too perfect. Yep. It's like when things line up like this, 9-11, it's just too you yeah, you have to ask questions here. Mm -hmm. So then you look at like some of the more the way that this lined up, like timeline lies. So the 
There's currently a, a package being stalled in Congress for $60 billion for Ukraine. This is on top of the $120 billion we already gave them. Uh, attached to that was also $17 billion for Israel, and there was a couple billion dollars for Taiwan, and to continue, you know, killing innocent women and children in Yemen, you know, because democracy. Now, this is being held up by Speaker Mike Johnson. Are you, are you familiar with this at all? Yeah. Okay. The reason why it's being held up is unless there's some funding in there for our border, we're not passing anything. Now, he has, he's being held to account by like four Republicans, I think, four or five. Democrats are fully on board. They passed the package, right? And Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson is being threatened by these other four. Is this the bill that originated in the Senate? In October, yes. And it had border stuff in it. It's yep. called the border bill. Right. They took out the border stuff, <laughs> and now it's just funding for foreign <laughs> military action? Yes. Okay. It is a border. You gotta it's love democracy. our border. <laughs> Dude, democracy sucks. I swear. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Now, this bill being held up is everyone, they're trying to make the pitch, like release the funds, release the funds, release the funds. Are you following some of the news articles like in Politico and Reuters, uh, AP? Uh, I think AP even um, told this story. Uh, I'll find the headline here in a bit. But of like, yeah, we went over there and we sat in this muddy trench with these Ukrainian soldiers and they're just feverishly scrolling through their phone to find out if Mike Johnson is going to release this money for Ukraine. I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> He's the propaganda. Like, you guys got to do better, okay? You have to do better. Better psyops. We deserve it with how much research we're doing. For the amount of money we spend on the government, we definitely deserve better psyops. So now this package it was originally the border package, even though, according to Alejandro Mayorkas, our border is already secure. And figure that one out. Now, it was blocked on this condition if, if we don't, if the Republicans said, like, if $1 sent to Ukraine without having this border package, then, like, it's a no-go. Everyone else, all the Democrats and most Republicans are saying, like, just send them the money because they're neocon chicken hawks. And do you know who uh, Glenn Greenwald is? Mm-hmm. So he did a deep dive on the track record of Raytheon and Boeing and Lockheed Martin and your military-industrial complex of the amount of times that they've gone to Washington and saying, like, this is what we want. You want to take a stab at what their batting average is? You mean, uh, did they, the amount of times that they actually got what they wanted? Yeah. I'm going to go over 100%. (laughs) (laughs) One billion percent, as it turns out. (laughs) They go in and say, we need A, B, and C. And they're like, not only are you going to get A, B, and C, we're going to throw in D, E, and F. Woo! (laughs) Now, this bill being stalled, or as Mike John said, it's dead on arrival. Like, I'm not passing it. And those four, those other four or five uh, Republican senators saying, like, we will remove you, Speaker of the House, if you do pass this. So that's what is holding over his head. This happens at the same time that Russia just took um, a major city in Ukraine, um, Edvidvika, I believe it's called. That's what it's called. Good, good pronunciation. Okay, thank you. Now, this, at this point, now they have the city. Ukraine now has like 20%. This, this city is very strategically important, important for you know, supply routes and you know, military position. So now all of Europe is in a complete panic, I would argue, manufactured panic of like, we got to do something. They just took this city. Mm-hmm. They're not in enough panic where they want to send any money over. They're, looking, they're telling the U.S. like, 
we're in a panic here. Like, are you guys going to pay for this war? Like, they need the, that $60 billion. And then the amount of homogenous propaganda, if you go through New York Times, Washington Post, AP, Reuters, it's yeah. all saying the exact same thing. These sob stories of these Ukrainian sh- soldiers, I mean, not trying to diminish their plight. It's awful that this has to happen. But the stories of them flipping through, you know, sitting in a trench, going through their phone, like, is America going to do this? Like, all the propaganda is so on point. It's so perfectly orchestrated and coordinated that, go back to our Liberty Tree uh, media literacy course, like, this is when you go, like, "Uh, something's going on here. Like, at what point, at least the parties on both sides of the aisle, I'm using my finger quotes there again, yeah. they're supposed to at least pretend that they're disagreeing on some things. Yeah. It's like, this is one of those things, like, we can't afford that right now. Like, everyone... It's it's too important. You got right. your marching this orders. This is too important for us to have disagreement. That political article was, there's only plan A, a defense, leader, a defense leader's fear failure in Ukraine. And this is four American senators senators went to the Munich security conference. They got there on Friday, right? And the reason they're at that security conference was to push the narrative that America needs to fund Ukraine for this war. That by the way, as a reminder, no one believes that they're going to win, right? No one believes that. Right. So we're funding what? Why are we funding this? Well, we're just trying to bleed Russia dry. Mm Mm-hmm. While Blackwater and J.P. Morgan Chase already hold the contracts to rebuild Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, for an extor- historical example, we can look at Halliburton and Blackwater and their rebuilding of Iraq. Mm-hmm. Exact same playbook. They're not changing anything whatsoever. On that Friday, when they all arrive at this conference in Munich, that's the day that Russia announces that Mulvaney has died. Mulvaney. You go like... It's- it's just the timing. It's just too... Like, who, who buys this? Stand up. Put your hands up. Come on, get up. Kid Rock's in the house, yo. Ready to pick up the tempo. And you know it's soul. I will blow somewhat unconventional. But comprehensible. I'm the presentable. The good-looking. The mellow, yellow, young fellow. And I'm cooking. Heating the house up just like a hot plate. Smooth on the groove like a nice skate. You didn't think it a blink. I'd stand here. But now you're in fear and you stand clear. You can't come near this hot styling groove. The kid who's smooth as a violin Also the perfect clear pronouncer On the set with a cold for the Ready to glide from side to side Why? Cause I step in stride These are the criteria I believe should be applied Cause I step in stride